Good morning. Uh, my name is Ryan Schreckengast, uh, and I'm a leader here at GFC. Today, I'm going to share with you two stories of court cases. The first is the time I myself argued my own defense in court, and the second is the testimony from Paul the Apostle. And the contrasts in those two stories will be very obvious. So I showed up at the court uh, on the morning of my hearing, and I had actually thought I was pretty well prepared. I'm a fairly well-spoken person, and I had watched a lot of TV courtroom dramas. (laughs) Right. You know where this is going. Uh, I felt really, really good about myself. My arguments were clear. I knew what I was going to say, and the truth was, of course, on my side. So I stood before the court, and there were actually only three of us in the room uh, that morning. There was the judge, the bailiff, and myself. And the bailiff called for me to rise when the judge entered the room, And I immediately froze. My hands were literally dripping sweat, and I started to stammer and try to explain myself to the judge. And and it took me two or three times to actually make myself understood. I tried to tell the judge that, yes, I was guilty of parking my vehicle and blocking a private driveway. However, she should waive the fine because that private driveway was my own. (laughs) Uh, When I finally managed to make myself understood, the judge laughed out loud uh, and waived the full fine. But at that point, I would have been willing to pay the fine to just get out of the courtroom (laughs) because I was so nervous and I couldn't even express myself. Unlike my experience in court, Uh, Today we're going to read a testimony that Paul gives. This will be in Acts 26. Uh, And his testimony is both eloquent and for life and death stakes, unlike my uh, traffic ticket uh, courtroom experience. But even though Paul was there and his life was literally on the line, his testimony was not defending his life, but defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is a theme that we're going to see over and over again in the next few months as we study two pairs of books. Uh, These are letters that were written by Paul, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians and 1st and 2nd Timothy. Uh, And today I have the pleasure of introducing you both to Paul and whetting your appetite just a little bit for the letters that he wrote throughout his lifetime. As we read the text today uh, from Acts as well as Thessalonians, uh, which is in on page 640, if you have the church Bible, uh, and page 642 is Timothy, uh, first and second of both of those. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that you are on a jury hearing this testimony from Paul. Rome didn't really do juries uh, unless you count the Colosseum with the thumbs down, thumbs up thing where they would, uh, the gladiators would either live or die. Uh, but, uh, I want you to think about this in a sort of modern context today. If you were sitting there listening to this testimony from Paul. I want you to get a sense of where the ministry of Paul, which has been going for years and years, ends. This is near the end of Paul's ministry. And I want us to appreciate today how Paul was both transformed by the gospel and how his love and passion for Jesus Christ endured over the course of his whole life. 
So because this is an intro to Thessalonians and Timothy, I thought it would make sense to read out of Acts. Uh, so that's where we're going to be reading today. Uh, and today's message is sort of like the trailer for a movie. I get to build the excitement for you. I get to show you the drama. And I can start with this very uh, climactic scene that's coming at the end of Paul's ministry so that we can appreciate these letters uh, and all of the things that have come before. So you will say, how did we ever get here? And over the next weeks, as we read these letters from Paul, those, an- those questions will be answered. Today, I actually hope that you leave with more questions than when you came in today. Uh, I'm not going to try to answer all of the questions that I hope will come up for you. What I'm trying to do is get you excited to see the answers to those questions. Please come and share with us uh, as we go through this series uh, and come see the movie that I'm going to give you a trailer for today. So uh, let's read Acts 26. 4 through 18, and this is on page 608 if you have the church Bibles. So we'll be jumping around uh, between Timothy's, Thessalonians, and Acts 26 this morning. This is the testimony of Paul in court. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them, even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow, (laughs) what a testimony is that? Uh, And what a contrast to my own experience uh, before an authority uh, in court. 
Today we're going to conclude this message by reading the end of this scene uh, where Paul sort of uh, wraps up what he hopes uh, the court will um, will decide in this case. Uh, but for a moment, let's just consider where Paul has come from himself. In verse 4, Paul recalls his childhood and the zeal with which he obeyed God's word, even then. However, the Paul that's giving this testimony has changed dramatically by his own account. He started off as a member of a religious sect that was very, very strict called the Pharisees. And he was so consumed with raging fury, to use his own words, that he persecuted the Christians wherever he could find them. Again, persecuted are his own words. But Jesus appeared to Paul on the very road as he was on his way to persecute those Christians. And he was transformed. Paul says that that story in verses 12 through 16. From that point on, Paul became a missionary or an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was spreading the good news or the gospel that God had sent Jesus Christ to be crucified for our sin and resurrected on the third day. He preached that message to the high and to the low, to the Jew and to the Gentile throughout the world. And as Paul traveled, he established churches in any of the places where he visited, uh, in cities around the world. In, the, in modern day, these regions where Paul established churches were Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Turkey, Greece, and even at the end, he testified before Caesar in Rome, Italy. Now, after he established each church, he would move on, uh, and yet he continued to love and pray for the congregations that he left behind. 1 Thessalonians 1-2 says, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced in faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Also in 1 Thessalonians 2.17, Paul says, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned, by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. So Paul is clearly still in relationship with these churches, even when he's not physically present with them. So in his absence, Paul would correspond with them through letters. Uh, this is before the time of Skype or FaceTime. Uh, so he would he would write letters back and forth to these churches. And many of these are recorded in the Bible, and they're named after the recipients uh, of those letters. In our case, for this sermon series, the audiences to whom Paul was writing are a church in Thessalonica, which in the Bible is called Thessalonians, and he was corresponding to Timothy, which in the Bible is called Timothy. That was Timothy was a co-missionary and uh, eventually became Paul's successor uh, as he established these churches. So that's just a little bit of a background uh, of who Paul is and uh, the context for how, why he is writing these churches or why he's writing these letters to the churches that he established. So why are we reading these particular books? There are actually a lot of letters that Paul writes uh, and they're recorded here in the Bible. But there are several reasons that the preaching team and the elders 
chose these four particular books. It's our practice at GFC to choose a book of the Bible, or in this case four, and to preach through them from the beginning to the end. But we really, really, really value God's word here, and we try to preach exclusively from the text. We also try to alternate between Old and New Testament books, as well as several different writing styles throughout the Bible. And since we've recently completed our study of Exodus, we went through the whole book, uh, and we just now finished uh, a short series on our church principles of grace, fellowship, and church, we thought that it would be appropriate to take some time over the next few months and dig into the New Testament. We do this for the same reason that you like to eat different varieties of foods throughout the week, that is, unless you're under the age of five, in which case (laughs) you want to eat the same thing every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, But it helps to have a variety of things so that we can appreciate the unique flavors and the substance of what it is that you're taking in. But these don't fully fully capture the heart of why the preaching team uh, chose to combine these four books into a single series. The letters that Paul writes to the Thessalonians are among the very first letters ever written by Paul to a church. This is at the very beginning of Paul's ministry. By contrast, the letters that Paul writes to Timothy are at the very end of his ministry. Paul is writing, in fact, from prison as he awaits the final hearing before Caesar. He's faced years of ministry, all the hardship, sacrifice, and refining that come from that long of serving the Lord. And we see, as we look at these books back to back, themes that change between these two books, and we see themes that persist. And most of all, we see that Paul endures for the sake of the gospel. Next week, we'll have another overview series where um, we'll talk about the uh, the Thessalonians books in general. That will also be, a, be an overview series. And then before we preach on Timothy, we'll do another overview on those books in particular. But today, we have the chance to look at this big picture, this, this huge story arc of where Paul has come from to where he is going. And Paul never could have anticipated as he was leaving on his journey for Damascus to persecute Christians with rage, uh, where he would be today, standing in court, defending the gospel. Consider 2 Timothy 2, 8-13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's this faithfulness of Christ that Paul clings to throughout his ministry. 
It's this faithfulness of Christ that allows Paul to endure. While Paul, or Saul in Hebrew, faces great hardship and betrayal, he never loses that reliance on Christ that was a hallmark of his ministry since he began and since he was called on the road to Damascus and struck blind. Uh, back to Acts a little bit. Acts 9, 8 uh, is where this story is coming from. It says, Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. This was the start of an amazing transformation for Paul. He's just being transformed from a religious zealot who was self-righteous and self-reliant into someone so utterly dependent on the mercy of God that he had to be led by the hand into the city where he was headed to persecute the very people who are holding his hand. And this was only the beginning of his transformation. This is only a start of God's plan for Paul. In, in, uh, God speaks to a Christian named Ananias who's in the city, and he tells them this. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So even from the beginning, Paul is being shown the course of his life and the fact that he will have to suffer for the gospel. He will end up in chains, but he will not defend his life. He will defend the gospel. So, what can we look forward to in the weeks to come? I hope I've painted a picture for you uh, of, of why we are doing this. So, what can we look forward to in the weeks to come as we go in this sermon series? Uh, honestly, this was one of the hardest sermons that I've ever had to prepare to date. Uh, it actually reminded me of a close friend of mine who's an author, uh, and he told me that one of the hardest things for him to write was that short little paragraph on the back of the book, that short blurb. After writing hundreds of pages and completing countless edits and revisions, he struggled for weeks over just those few sentences on the back. How he was going to represent the many, many themes in his book. How he was going to capture his audience's interest, uh, not to mention give a taste for his writing style. And after the sermon series, I feel like that I have a new appreciation for how challenging this actually is for him. Uh, so... I tried to give you my best attempt at writing the back blurb on the back of a book. Here are just a few things, if we were going to look at this as a book, that you could look forward to in the series to come. Do you want me to read this in, like, my best uh, trailer voice? I'll, I'll, <laughs> all right, I'll try that. Saul, also called Paul, had no idea that a supernatural encounter on the road would transform his entire life. This transformation would be both instantaneous and ongoing. Over his lifetime, he would join those he had once persecuted, be transformed into a scarred warrior, a long fighter, a man betrayed and abandoned, eagerly awaiting a reunion with God. But throughout it all, his faith would endure, his trust would endure, and his life or his love of the message he was given on that road would endure. Ultimately, he would face a trial before the most powerful earthly king, and still he would endure.
All right. <laughs> so let's compare some of the themes that we see in Thessalonians and Timothy and see how Paul is both transformed and how he endures. In this series, over the next months, we're going to see Paul as both uh, an encourager and a scarred warrior. Yet in both, his trust in the Lord's faithfulness endures. In his letters to the Thessalonians, Paul is full of encouragement. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3-4 is an example. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do all the things we command. By his letter to Timothy, Paul is a scarred warrior who has gone through a lot in the course of his gospel. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Also in this series, we will see Paul as both anxious for the imminent return of Christ and prepared for a long, drawn-out fight. Yet in both, his trust in the Lord's, his trust in the Lord's return endures. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And he was addressing the concerns of the church that maybe when Christ comes so soon, they would leave behind people who had already died. But by the time Paul is writing to Timothy, he says this, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is who is in his testimony who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandments unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time he who is the blessed and only sovereign the king of kings the lord of lords who alone has immortality who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Another transformation that we'll see as we read these books uh, in the next months is that Paul will both be focused on Jesus' return and Paul will be focused on his anxiousness to leave and go to meet Jesus where he is. Paul looks forward to seeing Christ when Jesus comes for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And there's that encouragement idea again. In his letter to Timothy, Paul is eagerly awaiting the end of his suffering to go and be with Jesus. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. We will see Paul address opposition from enemies both outside the church and inside the church. And yet Paul never doubts the sovereignty of God and his protection from those enemies. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who have troubled you. By 2 Timothy 3.1-5 But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. <laughs> if it was that easy. Second uh, Timothy four sixteen through 17. Paul is talking about his defense, uh, which is what we read in Acts, and the fact that he was deserted. Now, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles, so that they all may hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Wow. Do you see there that Paul rests on God as his strength in both instances, the justice of Paul for those who are opposing the gospel outside the church and the strength of God to support him within the church. So lastly on my list of themes that we'll be able to look forward to, but certainly not the last one that we'll see in the weeks to come, uh, is that Paul focuses both on proclaiming the gospel and protecting it. In his letters to Thessalonian, the Thessalonians, Paul praises his audience for proclaiming the gospel. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. And that's from 1 Thessalonians 1.8. In 2 Timothy 1, 12b through 14. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound, of the sound words that you have heard from me, in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And Paul focuses on the need to protect and guard the gospel. But yet always, 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 the gospel, the good news of Christ endures. The news that Jesus came from God, that he died in our place, paying the cost of sin, allowing us to be made clean and become inheritors with Jesus Christ of the kingdom of God, and then raised again on the third day. This gospel of Jesus is what Paul clings to that endures throughout his life. 
And though we see all of these transformations as Paul writes his letters to the Thessalonians and he writes his letters to Timothy, many, many things are transformed. But the gospel always endures. So, what should we do? How can we read these letters that Paul writes to the churches and to Timothy over the next few months? How can we apply these in our lives? Well, I pray that the Holy Spirit will both transform you and help you to endure. Open your hearts to the transforming power of the gospel. The truth of Jesus Christ and his resurrecting power makes all of the difference. Let it go into every aspect of your life and transform it. A few of the things that we'll talk about in these letters are here. If you know the Lord, you should cherish and pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in him with brotherly love. If you know the Lord, then you should control your body in holiness and honor. If you know the Lord, you should not repay evil for evil. If you know the Lord, you should avoid those who are walking in idleness. And if you're like me, you read this list and you see all the ways that you fall short. You see the times that you, that I, uh, choose to be idle before uh, working at the things God has placed before me. You see things like where I am excited to see not justice, but, but vengeance uh, carried out on people who may have wronged me. Uh, I also look at this list uh, in things like that, that God has given me responsibility over, like uh, raising children. Parents, be encouraged that if you see your children who are also not doing these things, to completion, be encouraged. This is a, this is a process and God is faithful and you can endure when you see your children behaving in ways that you believe, uh, that you recognize as being ungodly. Just endure. Hang in there. Be encouraged. Uh, don't despair. Trust the Lord to be faithful. Don't hope on our own self-righteousness, but trust a faithful God who will complete the good work that he started in us. I pray also along with Paul, as he writes in Thessalonians 3.13, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary of doing good. And also, as we read this series, you can defend the deposit that God has placed in you. Thessalonians 3.13 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So these texts that we're going to read over the next months are full of applications for the church. And they are full of prayers for the church. So I invite you as we read these over the next months, every week, choose something that God is speaking to you from those texts and pray for them in your life and in the life of our church. So in conclusion, I hope that you are excited for this series. I know that I am. Uh, and even more, I hope that you're excited to see how the Lord will use his words written here to transform your life. 
and how the Lord will help you to endure through his Holy Spirit. So I promised you that I would read the end of that passage of the court scene where we started today. Uh, This is verses 28 and 29 from Acts 9, where the drama of Paul's testimony before King Agrippa is playing out. After this amazing testimony that Paul gives before the court, here's what the king says. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. Except for these chains. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are a God who transforms us. That you come into our lives and you knock us to the ground as you did Paul. That you speak in our hearts and tell us to come to you, Lord, and that you also help us to endure. God, that as we face the trials of this life, whether internal or external, Lord, that you help us to endure. God, may the gospel that you have entrusted to us, that deposit that you have given us, may we guard it and may we keep it safe and treasure it and cherish it in our hearts this week, Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this church, this group of brothers and sisters who we get to be a family with, Lord, and that we will one day sit at your right hand, Lord, beside Jesus, God. Thank you that you are going to bring us to you. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.